0: Did you know that it is Asian American Pacific Islanders Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, like Carden, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Meave. Plus, you can help support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in-store to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian-American native Hawaiian and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian-American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at macy's.com or in-store. The best part of spring cleaning is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless, and then Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data, unlimited talk and text, delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone and any Mint Mobile plan and bring your own phone number. Along with your existing contacts, ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. My team here, they're on Mint Mobile and they like it. For a fraction of the cost, Mint Mobile proved to have excellent coverage with no drop calls or unsent texts. Plus, they make it super easy for me to activate my device just by following a few simple steps online. And bam, done. To get this new customer offer and the new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash literally. That's mintmobile.com slash literally. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash literally literally. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speeds slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details.
1: I wrote a a memoir a few years ago, and at one point we were going to call it No Coke for Ducky? Because amazing. Because uh, <laughs> um, no one ever offered me drugs uh, because what? I think they just thought I was a musical theater nerd, which I am, and I don't do drugs, but I think people just sensed it. They were like, that guy's a dork. We're not going to offer him drugs. And that actually obviously worked out great wow. for me.
0: Hey, everybody. I'm so glad you're here on Literally. Um, John Cryer is here. I've been looking forward to this one because we, he's Brat Pack adjacent. He's not in the pack per se, but he is adjacent to the pack. And I feel like we have had some times together, but not sure, but yet maybe it's because He's been on TV forever and so many great shows. I feel like I know him, but I don't think I actually do. There's a lot to unpack is really what I'm trying to say. And it's time to start unpacking with John Cryer. Hey Roblo. What's going on? How are on? you? I'm trying to think of like how like I we've spent time together, but like I don't have a time like <laughs> have we? But you, do you, I you know, left know no you? No impression whatsoever, John. You left no impression. <laughs> do I know you, John? I'm,
1: well, well, we have been in the same circles for decades. Decades, obviously. yes. Uh, and we have. Uh, uh, and the crazy thing was, I just met Kiefer Sutherland like two weeks ago for the first time in my
0: life, that and that's nuts. That's that's weird. That that's. Exci- I kind of feel the same way with us. I feel like we haven't had the proper amount of FaceTime together.
1: No, we have not. We have not. So this is uh, I'm very much looking forward to this, although we actually our paths almost crossed at one point uh, many, many years ago um, because Kenny Ortega approached me about doing a big song and dance number during the Oscars where they wanted to have old Hollywood sort of meet young Hollywood. (laughs) Yeah, like, oh yeah. <laughs> and uh and I remember I really wanted to do that. Um I think I had a scheduling thing um because I love Kenny Ortega, the 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 you know, the choreographer. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, "Yeah, are you kidding? Be on the Oscars this is going to be great." And then it, and I was just crushed. I was crestfallen that I was not able to participate. Uh and then uh
0: you had the fun of actually being a part of that number. I I know now were you cuz there were two th- I I get all the flack for the horrendous boondoggle, the Waterloo that was the opening (laughs) of the Oscars. But but what what people forget was the other number, which Uh was called Young Hollywood. That was it. That was what he wanted me to be a part. So of. you were. So maybe you would have been swinging on the rope that Christian Slater swung in on. Yes, that, and 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 and
1: you're absolutely right in that the whole thing was a boondoggle. Absolutely. That that you that it was it was poorly uh, thought out. Let's just say that
0: I, you know Alan Carr was the guy that came to who produced it, and that taught me my one of my number one isms of Hollywood is never trust a man in a caftan. <laughs> um, yes, that's worst or, or, to live ne- by. Or, or never trust a producer who makes the movie version of Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band without the Beatles. Would yeah. be another <laughs> yes, one. Yes, maybe that was
1: also ill ill considered. Um, uh, <laughs> but but dude, first of all, let's have Snow White. Sing for twenty minutes or so. I mean, that that, that was that was not. Uh, again, no. I don't know what they were thinking. Um, but uh, uh but God bless you, man. You you, you absolutely uh, uh manfully got through that thing. I soldiered
0: um, on. I I will never forget looking out. That was the year of Rain Man. Right. That was oh, okay. Sure. That was the year what Rain Man won seventy five Oscars, and as a young actor. You, the person, the director that you would want to impress more than anybody on the planet is Barry Levinson. And I remember in the middle of the number fixating on Barry, in the middle of that sea of famous people, fixating on Barry Levinson. It was like a fucking spotlight was hitting him in the face. <laughs> I couldn't take my eyes off of him. And John and I am, not, I am not kidding you when I say, I saw him mouth very clearly, what the fuck? <laughs> hey, you know, and, then, and then you know your actor's ego takes over you're like how the fuck does Barry Levinson know I'm killing you know uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. let's go on Let, with the, the show, show. <laughs> oh, well what a- Dude,
1: chiasco. yeah, again, uh, but but like I said, I want I, I there, but for the grace of God, you
0: know, I I, I wanted to be there too, you know, I, uh, you know. Well, listen, you've been on Broadway, obviously you're you Neil Simon guy, but did you do musical musical theater as a youngin? As a young man, I did it like I went to a theater camp called Stage Door Manor. It was,
1: you know, you know. So I did a lot of it there, and uh, uh, I, you know, I, 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 did Company at Lincoln Center. Uh, oh no that's, way! That's my 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 big uh, uh,
0: musical credit. Yeah. when, did, wait, the, wait, when that, did you do when did you do Company? I love that. Well, I just saw the the revival. I saw the before it came to Broadway. I saw it in in the West End. That that iteration of the New Company, which is fantastic.
1: Yeah, it's a remarkable reimagining of it. But uh, yeah. but yeah, I had, uh, no, actually it was, uh, I don't know if you remember, there was a guy, I uh, used to do a TV show uh, uh, called Two and a Half Men with uh, Charlie, I know the, Charlie I know, Sheen. I know this gentleman. Uh, yes, and at one point, he went insane. Uh, yes, and they, I recall they,
0: something like that happening. Yeah,
1: something like that, vaguely. Uh, and he uh, uh, g- got fired from the show, and the show shut down. And the only offer I got at that moment of being suddenly unemployed was to do company at Lincoln Center. Wow! Um, uh, and it was, but was it was a I had been told it was like an encore's production, and and you've seen encore's productions. They're like with the script in hand. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And
1: you, you know, it's it's it, they throw to, they throw them together really quick, just of beloved old lost musicals or whatever, and uh, and they're and they're really fun. Yeah. Um So I, I had been told that it was going to be one of those deals. Uh, it was at Lincoln Center. I was like, "Oh, that'll be fun!" You know, we only have two weeks to 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 rehearse. But uh, Neil Patrick Harris is playing Bobby, and wow. Patty LuPone is in Jesus it. Jesus Christ! And, and and Stephen Colbert was in it, and Christina Hendricks, and it was this what? nutty, nutty cast. Um, and uh, I remember they asked. Uh, uh, uh I, I got a a call from the director saying, "Oh, you know, uh, tomorrow's your first choreography rehearsal," and I said, "I'm I." Beg your pardon. Uh, I, this was an encore's production. We're not we're we're not doing choreography. Who's like? Oh no! This is a fully staged production of Company. Uh <laughs> That was just you just misunderstood, dude. Um, oh. And I was like, but we're only doing it in in two weeks. And and Neil Patrick Harris missed the first week because he was doing How I Met Your Mother. Um. So uh I get to the to the uh, to Lincoln Center, and I'm asking like Stephen Colbert, and I'm like, dude, did, did you know that this was a fully staged production? And he was like, no, I have to go to karate class because I do karate in the first in the first number. <laughs> I, you know, we were we uh, uh me and him and Martha Plimpton. We did not know that it was a fully staged production. Um, we were just sort of drafted into it, but it was really incredibly fun. And they actually shot it um, and they played it in theaters. And it's uh, and Neil Patrick Harris is a flipping revelation. in it. he's he's amazing. Yeah, and it was it was the first time Patti LuPone. I mean, she'd sung the song before she'd sung Ladies Who Lunch, but it was the first time she really got a chance to play the whole character. And it was just like, damn, you yeah. know. Um, so and the crazy thing was I ended up doing that show right as Charlie Sheen's Violent Torpedo of Truth live tour came through New York City.
0: Wow.
1: Um, so, yeah. So we were, so I was I was at Lincoln Center and he was at Radio
0: City Music Hall <laughs> in a vastly different show. <laughs> wait, wait. Charlie, um, play, the, the Torpedo of Truth played Radio City? Yes. It played huge venues.
1: Uh, I, I mean, and that was, uh, okay, just to, to refresh everybody's memory and people kind of can't believe this ever actually happened. But uh, once, Charlie Sheen started going crazy and doing these crazy midnight rants uh, and, you know, saying horrible things about people. And uh, he got fired from his show where he was literally the highest paid actor in show business. Uh, That's <laughs> um, right. Uh, he got fired from that. Um, he immediately, despite the fact that everybody thought he was actually in in having a, a breakdown, um, Live Nation said, would you like to do a live tour? Uh, (laughs) as one does when people are having mental uh, breakdowns. Um, So when I heard this, I said, well, but Charlie doesn't know how to put together a live show. Uh, I don't think. I mean, I don't know. You know, Charlie, you know, he's a very gifted performer. But um, that I didn't see that in his
0: toolbox. Did they think he was going to do like Mark Twain or? (laughs) They use Hal Holbrook. What did they? <laughs> exactly. I was like, "What are you?
1: What? What? What is he going to do as a as a as a show by himself? Uh, 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 that by the way was booking venues like Radio City Music Hall and oh you know arenas. You know, I mean, it it, it booked very big venues. Um, so and, and interestingly, only recently have I heard from from. Uh, Uh, comedy folks who were apparently there was a lot of feelers put out by his management to try and help him build that live show right Um, I was just talking with Mark Maron and he he was one of the people that they brought up to Charlie's house to say hey can we come up with an idea and they pretty much everybody who came up there came away going he's having a mental breakdown (laughs) you really shouldn't send him out on the road but they they did anyway and uh, we ended up playing the same night um you know, on, on uh, you know, he was in Midtown and I was uh, in in Lincoln Center.
0: Which prevented you from seeing his show and vice versa.
1: Yes, yes. Although I don't know he's much of a Sondheim guy. Uh, he might be. You uh, never know. He's, a, you know, he's
0: he's a mysterious one. Yes, he is. He's an enigma. He, he's, <laughs> he's an enigma, but, you know, he, he may be down with some Sondheim. He might be. I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to judge. I don't want to. What So much to cover. First of all, I need to figure out why growing up in Ohio and wanting to be an actor and being in the sort of young kid acting, Kenley players was a thing like, was a sort of bus and truck, summer stock thing that I heard your mother's name all the time. Why huh. would, is this possible? Did your mom and my mom go to school together? Where did your mom go? She, she there's. I'm telling you your mom and my mom have a connection. Okay, interesting. And I'm I'm trying to figure this
1: out. Okay, in in Ohio, well, it's a couple of things. My mom grew up in Indiana. Okay, there it is.
0: Where'd she go to school? DePaul? She she went to DePaul. That's what it is. My mom went to DePaul.
1: Oh, my God.
0: I think they might be sorority sisters.
1: Oh, my God. Pretty sure. That's amazing. That is amazing to is a little a little charming little school in a tiny little town in, in Terre Haute in Indiana. That's right. Um, uh, and and yeah, my mom went there. I mean, it was another era, you know, uh, 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 Vernon Jordan went there. Right. right. Yep. Uh, I don't know if your mom ever, ever talked about him, um, uh, but it was, you know. Uh, uh, but yeah, my dad went to
0: that school as
1: well. Oh, wow. Um, but that's nuts. That I mean, they got they got married right out of there. Same, um, right? Out
0: my of, my my mom and my dad got married right right out of it. Um, you'll have to, yeah. I uh, it'd be great to go back in the yearbook and see if Barbara Hepler. Oh my God! I'm yeah, because I think I, I think I think what it was was like as I wanted to be an actor. The only actor that she'd ever known personally was your mother, huh? And so she'd be like, Yeah, Gretchen she's she's she made she made it. she went to New York <laughs> and she's doing her thing and I, I remember I remember that name I remember it that's being crazy. um well,
1: my mom uh moved to New York City with my dad, but they were divorced when I was four and same, same. she somehow managed to make a living in New York City as a playwright and an actress as a single mom in retrospect, I don't know how she did that too that, that's a TV show yeah. Her life, yeah, 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 um, and and she refuses to believe that her life is in any way extraordinary. And I, I I've I've tried to impress upon her it's like you know you lived through the you know World War II and the and the fifties and the birth of feminism and you like right she wrote a, a musical called I'm Getting My Act Together and taking on the road. That's a what it is.
0: That's where there it is. we go. That's it. yeah, and
1: yeah, it was considered a, a sort of breakthrough feminist musical back in yeah. 1978 when it when it premiered. Uh, and uh and you know, she's you know, she only sees uh uh you know, she's like, I'm from Indiana, who cares what I think and I've been trying to get her to write a book about her life because I think her
0: life is so fascinating. I mean, like it, the, she that's the real version of the whatever the talented Mrs. Mazel, like her like where the marvelous like, like I want to see that iteration of your mom's life yes, I I agree, I agree. um, and it was it, you know, it was
1: it, i I loved it. I loved growing up backstage where we're now. Okay, so you had to find
0: the theater from wh- where you were growing up, right? Well, ironically, there was a ton of it. There was this thing oh. that I'm obsessed with called the Kenley Players, and it was a a traveling... John Kenley was this theater impresario, looked like the Riddler from Batman. Um, even in 1975, Dayton, Ohio, as a as an eight-year-old, I was aware that he was a hermaphrodite Oh my gosh! That is on. Wow! How does that get? No, no, he's a genius. You got to go. No, I'm. How is Ryan Murphy not done the John Kenley? So I believe me. I'm one of the Chad Lowe had was going to do a documentary, and and Mm -hmm. Mr. Kenley passed away, but he was going to interview. Chad was going to interview him for this documentary, and he could never really get Mr. Kenley to talk. But um, so he would bring in like whoever was the hottest sort of TV star on their hiatus in the summers, mm-hmm. pay them a fortune. And you would do like a bus and truck version of Oliver if you're like Vincent Price. Or like, <laughs> like I, saw, I saw I saw, Sandy Duncan in Peter Pan. I saw Shirley Jones, Hot Off the Partridge Family, and On a Clear Day You Can See Forever. I saw Dom DeLuise in Under the Yum Yum Tree. I saw um, Henry Winkler, when he was Fonz, yes. he came. So, and you would play like Dayton, Cincinnati, mm-hmm. um, yep. Columbus. So that was like in the summers, like you could audition for the local iteration of those casts. And man, I felt like I was on Broadway. I mean, never got, by the way, never got any of the auditions. I never. Oh, no. I never did. But there was a lot of work as a young actor. And, and when I moved to LA, there's no theater.
1: Mm-hmm. No. No, it's, it was, it's a, it's barren. I, 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 there's touring shows occasionally come through, but nothing that feels like self-generated, certainly back not in the seventies and eighties. Yeah. You know, obviously it's a different situation now, but, um, but back then, yeah. no, you're, you're, the the only thing is movies and TV in, in Los Angeles.
0: You've got, you've got, you're either in the NFL playing football. There's no, there's no Pop Warner.
1: Yeah. And that's a shame, actually, because yeah. how do you build, you know, the, everything has to sort of come from it has to be zero to 60. You know, it's got to be somebody who's never done anything before. Suddenly he's got something. It's like, well, no training might help.
0: Well, <laughs> do you know what I find? I'm curious, do You fi- is I'm, this is not a knock on anything other than it's just a fact that I've noticed that young actors have grown up with directors Telling them where to go, what to do, and how to do it. I remember the first day a director ever told me. So I'm thinking you would come in the door, and then when Billy Joe says, uh, You know, how's your mother? You kind of maybe you kind of sit at the table, and then like uh, it was unheard. When I came up, that was unheard of. Directors did not do that. Actors figured out what the fuck they were going to do. Mm-hmm. And then the directors <laughs> figured out where to put the, put the, you know, like Coppola, like Francis yeah. Ford Coppola didn't tell you where to do or what to, we did it. And he, so, but now that's all it is. That's mm-hmm. all it is. So you have a whole generation of, of actors who literally don't know how to walk and talk at the same time. Interesting. Now, okay. Was Outsiders,
1: was that like your third movie? I like, mean, that first, was pretty. first. First. That was your first. Holy smokes, man! First. Wow. Wow. So working with Coppola on your first movie. Yeah. yeah. That's insane.
0: It was insane. That's insane. It was insane. Uh, I mean, so were you? I imagine intimidated, super intimidated, but also like wanting to murder, like, like, <laughs> like do, you, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know you like bring that it. that kind of great mix of that you search for? It's like crack. You search for it your whole career, mm-hmm. of like working with someone who's a legend and you want to impress them and all you want to do is be seen by them and impress them and then, but you all, but you also are like, fuck it, I'm going to run through, wall. it was the best. It was the best. Mm-hmm. And and it's an amazing piece of work, you
1: know, and uh, did, like I like on my first my very first movie. And this is actually an interesting parallel, but with a very different outcome. Um, my first uh, uh, work in a in a movie was uh, on a Robert Altman movie. No way. Uh, yeah. Um, on a movie called O.C. and Stiggs. It was a, a, a teen comedy that he was trying to do. Wow. Um, and. Uh, had a blast where, uh, you know, his, his way of working, as you said, was, but it, but it was an extreme version of what extreme you said. Extreme version, where, yes. Yes. He would just mic everybody and then he'd ha- you'd have a general idea of the way the scene was supposed to go and then he would just let you improv it, um, which, you know, is an incredibly ballsy way of making a movie. Yes. Uh, and it requires that the crew be working at this incredible level, you know, mm-hmm. to sort of catch all the stuff that's going on. And, you know i was incredibly intimidated but the crazy thing was i was like oh is this how it works <laughs> you know <laughs> you know is this you right. just they just mic everybody up and you just make up a movie as you go along cuz then you're like wow the godfather is really amazing <laughs> you know no, they made that up um no obviously i knew that that wasn't the thing but but seeing that a director could so completely have his own way of working that just was not in any way what I imagined the process was, was really fascinating for me.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny because you just don't, you just don't see, the first person, I, the first director, ironically, whoever, like, told you me exactly what to do, and he was famous for doing this, was Peter Bogdanovich. Oh, yes, yes. And- I, I auditioned for him, but yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I love <laughs> Peter. I mean, Peter- I mean, for those of you uh, might not know, Peter directed for my money three of the the greatest movies ever made back to back: Last Picture Show, uh, Paper Moon, What's Up, Doc? Yes, uh, and and in the most ridiculously diverse uh, genres. Yeah, N- nothing like each other. Nothing, nothing like each other. And and uh, just, other than being really flipping good, and you know, <laughs> just immaculate. And then he kind of lost his mind, and yes, then and a was bit. and he was banished. I actually said to him, Peter said, Peter, did you really direct the movie at long last love from horseback? And he goes, it's, <laughs> and he said, it seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he lost his mind. And then mm-hmm. and then he made a, then I auditioned for him for a movie called Mask. Yes, me too. I auditioned for. That did you well. put the, the stocking cap over your face? Did he make you do that? You no, do it with me. that did not even occur to me. Well, it didn't
1: occur to me. They made me do it. Oh, my gosh. Okay, wow. No, that
0: was not part of I, my process. I had, <laughs> I had two layers of women's pantyhose <laughs> over my face <favorite>, with <laughs> little <laughs> tiny eye slits. <laughs> what, what, uh, so the logic is that by, by m- melding
1: your face into itself the way it, that a, a stocking would, would, you see the eyes only
0: oh okay because because you're is, gonna be in full prosthetics yeah which Eric Stoltz got the job and was yeah. great and yeah. so they made that I didn't get it Eric did and and that movie was a, a big hit and we thought oh Peter's back and he's not crazy he was still crazy it turns out ah because got it that when was I an did anomaly. my when I did my movie it was total anomaly when I did my <laughs> movie he was out of his out wait of his, which one was yours I'm sorry oh, which? oh, oh good Lord it, it it's called it's called illegally yours okay and, and it, it it I mean I don't even know what to say about it <laughs> other than, other than have you ever worked with, with with someone who's so charming so bright so learned so charismatic that you that you, they get you to do things and and pitch ideas that you you just it's like a cult leader i'm like yes peter that sounds like a great idea and then you finish the project and you go what were we thinking and that's what it was working with Bogdanovich in that yeah. in that thing
1: similar to uh, altman in my in my case and and loved working with him you know would do it again in a minute yep. had he offered me the chance obviously before he passed um but uh uh no it was it was 100% cult leader stuff. You know, we would we would walk off the edge of a building
0: for him. And and they, was he like Peter was surrounded by I don't want to say flunkies, acolytes. Well, as as any as any true cult leader would have have. I mean you have to have your acolytes or you're not a cult leader. You have to have people on the call. <laughs> it doesn't count. Um you know what I wouldn't I wouldn't because
1: they were used to fulfilling his vision, you know, because it makes Nashville and MASH yeah, 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 and yeah. Gosford Park and The Player, another guy yeah. who mastered, you know, incredible diversity of uh, of projects, you know. Um, so they were used to going, you know what, it's what he wants, let's do it, you know. And, mo- you know, again, you have e- either you have MASH or you have OC and Stiggs, which is never released which it was never released. Who else w- Who else was in it with you? I feel like somebody I know was in it. Who, uh, Neil Berry was in it and a guy named Dan Jenkins. You might know no. Dan. Dan, uh, 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 he ended up doing Big River on Broadway for a while mm. and a wonderful actor. But like crazy cat. I mean, it was like Jane Curtin and Ray Walston and oh, uh, uh, Dennis Hopper was in it. I mean, it was a crazy Altman cast. You know, it was bonkers. And uh, we all sort of were like along for the ride. and he made it into a party. every night we he'd, he'd show dailies to yes. everybody. and everybody um,
0: same with Peter, we, everybody would drink and smoke and and and, and on the outsiders, Francis would cater it. would have sushi flown in. We had a rap party every <laughs> we had a rap party every Friday night. I thought, oh, this is the way movies are made. Every Friday night is a party where the director cooks.. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it was uh, coming out of the 70s.
1: The 70s was that time when all the directors were breaking the mold and re- imagining, you know, the, the, you know, Easy Rider just unleashed this flood of, you know what, we don't have to play by these rules and, Mm -hmm. and actors don't have to look like they used to and they don't. And, and, you know, we can make, you know, incredibly gritty movies and, you know, we can make Taxi Driver now, you know? Yeah. um, uh, And so, you know, I, I, coming off that into the 80s, when, you know, filmmaking changed again, you know, we, you and I were, were coming around when, and I, I, I realized that what I benefited greatly from was there was this bubble of teen movies where suddenly they needed a lot of a lot of us, you know. Yep. Yep. Uh, And and so, you know, I auditioned for 16 Candles, didn't get it, you know, uh, uh, you know, auditioned for some other ones. Um, but I did get Pretty in Pink, you know, so, uh, you know, we, we, we there was a lot of opportunities floating around.
0: If you're thinking about doing some home remodeling, check out Window World. Go to windowworld.com and check out their Windows Inspiration Guide. The guide is a dream book of page after page of beautiful windows. It's not just about how good they look. These beauties earned the good housekeeping seal and Energy Star certification. Go to windowworld.com to schedule your free consultation. Tell them you heard about it here on Literally With Me, Rob Lowe, Window World, America's Exterior Remodeler. Well, you know, no two travelers are exactly alike, and that means no two trips should be either. Texas, vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activity allow for such an infinite number of different travel experiences. I mean, I love Texas. I go like this, the people of Dallas, the culture of Austin. And I love any time I get there. If you're a beach person, well, you can go have fun in the sun with Texas 350 miles of coastline. If you're a rugged vacation type, there's campgrounds, hiking trails, state parks, golf is nuts there, foodies. You got your Texas barbecue and live music in Austin. And of course, if you're into the cowboy scene, you can certainly find it there. And now Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom trip matched to their own unique interests. So visit traveltexas.com slash get your own to get the only trip to Texas that matters, yours. That's traveltexas.com slash get your own. Hey listeners, ever have trouble getting someone on the phone when you have a question about your credit card with 24-7 U.S.-based, live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person any time, day, or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call one 800 discover to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I always forget 16 Candles was first. Yes. Yeah, 16 Candles, then Breakfast
1: Club, actually, which I believe I auditioned for as well. Um, also, obviously,
0: did not get. Same, same, same. <laughs> Didn't get. By the way, John, I don't think John, John Hughes got whatever I was selling. Oh, interesting. Interesting. I I just don't think, I I, I, I mean, he made a lot of movies. I was definitely in, in the mix, in the cut, as the kids would say today. And my phone never rang. Never rang for John Hughes. And I auditioned for the Judd Nelson part in Breakfast Club. Huh. Wow.
1: Wow. Yeah, you know, you never know when people just don't when they're just, as you said, they're just not buying what you sell, <laughs> and you can't, you know. Thankfully, as I said, there was a lot of of opportunities out there, so yeah, I got something eventually. Yep. I'd say you know,
0: yeah. Yep. And Spader's in that, obviously.
1: Yes, and he's just awesome in that. That that uh, of the performances in that movie, that is that is my my favorite. It's kind of stunning, isn't of it? Time. It's kind yeah. of
0: it's like. I don't know what he's do- well he's doing Spader. I mean, yeah. I mean he's <laughs> right? I mean, I, you know, I did a movie called Bad Influence with him and and it's yes. one of my it's one of my favorites and he's so he, there's just nobody like him. Truly nobody like him and yeah. and the way he looked in that in in like with the hair and the like the pursed lips and the cheekbones and all, it was just pop you know, collars. It's just amazing. Yeah. No, it was just
1: perfect. I mean, at one point he looked at me and said, I think I got these uh, teenage asshole parts just nailed. <laughs> I was like,
0: Yes, you do, Jimmy Spader. You
1: absolutely
0: do. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> a great, by the way, that's a great, great impersonation. I can see him <laughs> saying that
1: too. But it was funny because I got along great with him. Uh, McCarthy, Andrew McCarthy, and I did not get along uh, back in the day. Me neither, um, by the way. Oh,
0: interesting. Oh, no, interesting. no. Andrew and I did not get, get along together at all. But wait, you guys did Clat? Did you? Class? And, and St. Elmo's Fire. And St. fucking St. Elmo's Fire. Holy shit. Yes. And, and, you know, and now, you know, Andrew now uh, has this new documentary coming out. Yes. Called Bratz, which I, he called me and I was happy to talk to him. And, and he, you know, like anybody else, he's a, I'm a different guy. He's a different I love him today. Yes. Oh my God. We, we hung out, had a great time.
1: Love him. Um, and, and and but, but it's interesting it's about projection because he told me that he was already having issues with alcohol back then you know yes. um that yes. it was already an issue for him and so now when I think about it all the he he was a very reserved guy very quiet yeah and and I took that to mean that he just didn't like me didn't want to have didn't didn't feel like didn't feel bothered to talk to me but in retrospect you know he's a guy already you know in this incredibly high pressure gig of being an actor on these shows who's already battling alcohol yeah you know and and I go oh okay he was just trying to keep it together yes yeah, right you know? yes yes and I, I just totally took it uh, you know my own insecurities just made it into this other thing and i'm you know i'm mad about that obviously you know it's like you, you, the opportunity but uh, you know take the opportunity now to to uh, you know get to, get to know him
0: yeah i mean it, and and that's exactly what he and i've uh done and i and you know look all of those guys and you the what do you call it the brat pack or the pe- or the, even the even the people who are non pack um it's like you you just have nothing but love for people who survived that era it's like look yeah. those are that's our college that's our yeah. fraternity sorority and that's what it is and you're like I just it just warms my heart hugely always whenever I see anybody from from the day like that and yeah and Andrew's in, he, I can't wait to see this documentary I haven't seen it yet me neither I'm I'm looking forward did you uh, absolutely. did you did you speak in
1: it yes yes uh, we had a you know that's what brought you know did uh, you say Andrew you're always me.
0: such a dick. <laughs>
1: Well, no, we did. We did confront the fact that we did not get along back in the day. You know, that's interesting. Um, I don't know if that's going to be in the movie because I don't know if
0: anybody <laughs> actually gives a shit about oh, yes, that. Yes, of course um, they do. I hope it's in. That's great. Yes,
1: I, I hope so too. But um, uh, uh, but you know, but we were all going through our own shit at that time, yeah. and you know, we would get. I mean, again, the stuff that was thrown at us at that time. You know, it was the less than zero age. Oh. You know, uh, um. Of just the expectation was, you know, just this, this incredible decadence. Uh, uh, and and uh, although interestingly, I was always kind of a nerd. So it never. So uh, originally, because I, I wrote a, a, a memoir a few years ago, and uh, at one point we were going to call it No Coke for Ducky. Because amazing. Because uh, <laughs> no one ever offered me drugs uh, because what? I think they just thought I was a musical theater nerd, which I am um, and didn't. And I don't do drugs. But I think people just sensed it. They were like, that guy's a dork. We're not going to offer him drugs. And that actually obviously worked out great for me. Um, but, wow. uh, but, I, but at the time, it took down so many people, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and oh, my God. So
0: I don't know how you survived it. Because for me, you know, I always say that, you know, people are only as good as their heroes, right? And or, you know, if, if somebody's having a hard time, it you can go and look at who their heroes are and you can draw that line and, you know, Good, bad, or indifferent. My heroes were like, you know, Keith Richards and Jack Nicholson, and uh-huh. <laughs> and and so it's like just people fucking doing lots of tootski in the bathroom at the Laker game, living on Mulholland, uh-huh. and 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 in Warren, you know, and with a revolving yes. door of oh girls. God. So I was like, I'm going to do that. That yeah. sounds good to me because uh-huh. that's, <laughs> that's what it means to really be a movie star in L.A. is is well, I'm going to be like Warren Beatty. I'm going to be like Jack Nicholson. I'm going to and and think you know they have a lot of great qualities but i pr- i of course picked the probably they're they're not good ones and uh wrote it as far as i could mm-hmm.
1: yeah you know but but th- and that's another thing that uh uh the longevity of being as you said being a survivor after you know uh, from way back in the day you know we we there's something uh uh Uh, some sort of survival instinct or some base set of skills that we still have (laughs) (laughs) that we can occasionally uh, bring to bear um, to make stuff that people... uh, that people enjoy, but like, also you're still doing, and, and I, I just want to compliment you. I love that you're, uh, that, you know, you're doing the more traditional stuff. You're doing the, 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 uh, uh, the Fox show, the 911 and, 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 you know, which is, I I have nothing but awe for procedurals for our procedurals, because I know how hard they are. (laughs) (laughs) They are, and you're awesome. But also like the Liberace movie, I was like, holy shit. You know, um, <laughs> you. you know where, where you know uh, uh, that you can still uh, 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 surprise people in that way is just fucking awesome. Oh, thanks, uh, you know, man. and and I, I I just you know that's what I attribute your longevity to. You know, um, uh, it's not just the handsome. Because uh, plenty of handsome people don't work forever in this business, um, but it's like you you come up with a new way to do something, and I think that's fucking amazing.
0: Oh, thanks, man. I mean, and look, we're and we're only as good as our opportunities, and that was just a great, you know, Soderbergh phone call out of the blue, and it's it's. I will tell you, you have a huge body of work. I, we, I've got a big body work, but there are certain parts like that part. I have three. I have four scenes. Four. Yeah, I've never, ever, ever gotten more lift from anything <laughs> than that. <laughs> yeah, you know, you never know.
1: You never know you what's the never, thing that's going to be the thing that resonates with people. You, you never, never
0: you never ever know. Um, oh, so you auditioned for Scene Almost Fire*? I did, in fact. And that—that oh, that
1: got very. Oh, that was full of drama. Oh, I let's recall. hear it. Uh, um because the director uh, uh, Joel, uh, Schumacher. uh Joel, Joel, Joel Schumacher Joel Schumacher was, was was at least in the auditions was lovely beyond belief i don't know what he was like to work with amazing um Amazing. Yeah, it's so lovely and Amazing. just giving and really just you felt like wow, he wants you to be the, to give the best possible yep. audition you can do. And that's really incredibly valuable. Everybody feels like, uh, you know, you go into an audition and it's going to be Simon Cowell judging you harshly. Right. And that and and that happens sometimes, but it's actually thankfully fairly rare. Um usually everybody wants you to succeed. And Joel Schumacher was that in Spades. I mean, he was just so helpful, but he put me in a little bit of a a, a bind. Um, uh, and it was also Lauren Schuller, uh, yes. was producing that. Oh, yes. Who had done Pretty in Pink, who had just finished, uh, or who had actually not long prior to that had finished uh, Pretty in Pink. Um, and I came in and I read the part that eventually went to Andrew McCarthy and, uh, they said, well, just so you know, we, we, uh, lo- loved Demi Moore, who I had done my, one of my first, my, my second technically movie, uh, with, and they said, you know, where's she at? Because we'd love to hire her for this troubled character. And I said, well, uh uh I one hundred percent fell in love with her while we were shooting. Mm-hmm. Um uh but she also one hundred percent is that troubled character, you know, um uh and uh, uh you know I don't wanna you know she had she had she has since then you know, come forward to say she was having a serious cocaine issue at the time and all that stuff and going through a lot of stuff that that a lot of us were going through at the time. Um, but I felt like I didn't want her to not get the part because of me, because I actually thought she'd be fantastic. Um, but I also wanted to be honest with them as filmmakers that she's got an issue, you know, right. yep. uh, and you're going to have to deal with that in some way. And I heard later that they did. Uh, I mean, you, you, you went through the whole thing. Uh, you know, I don't know what that was like for you.
0: I I will, I remember I met Joel the same day that Demi came in, and I'll never forget being on the Warner Brothers lot that you know well, and headed to the office, looking for the office to find Joel's office, and seeing this vision walk out into the, between the sound stages, the sun was backlighting her hair. She had, at that time, she had (laughs) uh, like almost strawberry reddish blonde hair, and and her long hair, but pulled up over and surrounding a straw hat. I've never seen that before or since. <laughs> I don't know what that was. And I was like, who is that person? And halfway through my meeting with Joel, he goes, oh, I'm going to bring this other actress that I'm seeing to me. And it was it was her. And um, it, it, And we, from that moment, were kind of inseparable for like the next two weeks. Oh, gosh. Okay. And 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 there was a lot of fun going on. Yeah. So, you and, know, she's one and, of the most fun. One of the fun. People, and, certainly back in the day. Yeah, yeah. You know. And they did. And they, and Demi talks about, it, they were like, you got to get it together. And she did. Mm-hmm. And she was the first, and I, and I give her, she was a, a total inspiration for me because she got sober and I'd never seen anyone get sober. I hmm. didn't know, I didn't know anything about it, how you could do it, never occurred to me. What Thought it was, but bull- whatever I thought about it, watching Demi do it, was the inspiration when I finally decided that I was done. I was like, if Demi can do it, I, maybe I can do it. Wow! And wow! Um, so, but but it started right there with Saint Elmo's Fire, with them going, "Hey, you got it, you gotta, you gotta get it together," and she did. Wow, that's yeah, because because I, I had a similar thing,
1: not quite the same, but when she and I were cast in No Small Affair. We were together like magnets, yeah, and yeah. and and I had two of the most fun weeks of my life just going around Los Angeles with her, and you know, and and uh, uh, being a part of her life. And the hair thing, yeah, she would tuck uh, her hair up into the band of a hat, yes. Uh, and I remember uh, I was doing Torch Song Trilogy at the time with Harvey Firestein. And he met her, and he said, "Who's the girl with the hairy hat uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, uh uh but you know, she was like one of those unforgettable people, you know, and you can see why she gets cast and stuff is because,
0: you know, when she walks through the room, you don't forget it. you no. know no they don't um, they don't make them like that anymore no nope. she's a, I nope. mean, truly the voice, the looks, the talent, all of it she's the whole she's the real thing. For sure. Yeah.
1: And it was interesting because, on No Small Affair, she was really, it was her first kind of lead in a feature, and she was really, really nervous about it. You know, and I, and she had been doing general hospital for years, so I just assumed she, she felt like an old pro, you know. Um, But no, she had managed to be terrified. And I was terrified too, so I was like, shit, we're both terrified. This is not good. but uh, uh, but yeah but I but now how was Saint Elmo's as a shoot because it's like you know many people consider it like the Brat Pack movie you know
0: I, it, um, it is it kind of I, by the way the best Brat Pack movie is the, the Breakfast Club for sure uh, yes I I won't argue with you on I, that, it, that, that is, part is part. like head and shoulders it's like the fellas of <laughs> uh, yes of arguably, of, of, yep. of the genre. But, but boy, people do love this. They love them some St. Elmo's. It was great because I had the part of a lifetime. I had, um, they wanted me to play the Judd Nelson square preppy part. Mm -hmm. I wanted to play, I wanted, and that's, that was what they wanted me to, everybody wanted me to do that. Joel, the studio, everybody. I wanted to play the part that ended up getting. And they were like, no, we don't really see you in that. So I showed up drunk to my (laughs) meeting (laughs) <laughs> with Joel the, Joel, the 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 day that I met Demi, I showed up with a six-pack and drank through the entire meet. I was like, oh, you don't think I'm a fucking wild man? Really? Here, try this <laughs> on for a size. And, and I ended up getting the part and the rest. And so I felt like, I don't know, you know what it's like when you're in an ensemble and you just, you feel like you have the fucking best part and you can kind of just run amok. muck. Yeah. So for me, it was it was heaven. I mean, it was yeah. Just, you you
1: feel like you know. It's like I, I, th- those times when you go, I know that guy. Yes, I so know that guy. Just turn me loose. Yes, you know, that's a, that's an incredibly lucky feeling. Um, and yeah, I I. But that's I I did not know that you were originally supposed to do the Judd Nelson part. That's fascinating to me.
0: Yeah, I mean it. Which is a great, which is a perfectly good part. But I felt like you know I'd been playing preppy. I played a couple of, you know, the spade. you don't want to go, you you know, Spader's got that lane covered. We can't, we can't compete with Spader.
1: (laughs) Exactly. You set the standard.
0: You know, the only thing I ever let interrupt my podcast, my dog. Take a minute now, please. Pet your dog while you learn about Bark, the company dedicated to making dogs happy. Every month, BarkBox designs and delivers a whole new collection of toys and treats just for your best bud. Every toy is tailored to your pup's size and play style. From squeaky plush toys from BarkBox to ultra-tough, durable ones from Super Chewer. Every treat is made with yummy, healthy, all-natural ingredients like pumpkin and sweet potato. Each box is inspired by a new theme and comes with fun surprises for you and your dog. For a limited time, they'll double your first box of goodies for free. I love making my dogs happy. Love it. It's my favorite thing in the world. And my dogs are obsessed with their chewable toys. BarkBox offers treats keep my dogs healthy and amazing new toys that keep my dogs entertained. To get your free upgrade, Go to BarkBox.com slash Rob. Transform your bathroom cleaning with Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner. You just spray today and rinse tomorrow for a no-scrub clean. With over 33,000 five-star reviews, this is your once-a-week solution to keeping your tub and shower surfaces sparkling clean. Available at Amazon, Lowe's, Menards, Home Depot, and Ace Hardware. Join thousands who've switched to an easier clean. Get your wet and forget weekly shower cleaner today and make your bathroom sparkle with zero scrubbing. Shopping for humans is hard. Shopping for your dog is easy. Thanks to Bark. Every month, we deliver toys and treats just for your pup. They deserve to be spoiled every month. At Bark, we send your dog a whole collection of toys and treats made just for them every single month. Whether it's our fun plush toys or our ultra-tough toys from Super Chewer, we give your dog exactly what they want. And for a limited time, we will double your first box for free. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com slash Rob. BarkBox is so convenient and delivers straight to your door and more importantly, right to your dog. I can't wait to try out BarkBox. My dogs need their toys, particularly the chewable toys. Sign up now at BarkBox.com slash Rob for an exclusive offer. This ad is now over. Let's get back to petting our dogs.
1: Were you like, I've had some auditions for stuff that it was like, okay, I know I am the wrong guy for this. Yeah. But I gotta take a swing. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I auditioned for a platoon to play the Kevin Dillon part. Oh, Funny. I can see that. Um, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. And and I get to meet Oliver Stone. That's kind of fun. You know, he's a, a filmmaker operating at, you know, the height of his powers at yes. that point. And this is a script that everybody reads and goes, holy shit, this is one of the most harrowing things I've ever laid eyes on, you know, and mm-hmm. everybody gets excited. And um, But that audition, I'm supposed to go in uh, and... Um, it's the scene when when Bunny uh, terrorizes a one-legged Vietnamese guy by shooting at him with a machine gun, um, God, and I'm like, okay, I'm in an audition situation. I don't have a machine gun or a, a one-legged Vietnamese guy. Mm. Um, how is this going to go? You know, <laughs> um, so uh, uh, you know, and, and I don't know what you do. I mean, you bring a you brought a six pack into your. Stand almost fire. Audition. But yes, but you can't bring a machine gun in. No, exactly. I, I don't even I don't even want to bring a pretend gun in because that just feels
0: weird to me. Although, should I have? Well, but I you, mean obviously see, I never would have gotten the part. You you raise a very uh, one of the great conundrums of auditioning, which is it's a driving scene. Yeah. Do you do you fake <laughs> do, do you fake do the, the wheel? Do you do you do the hand of motion? The- because which is really around, yeah. which is really lame. But then if you're just sitting there, that just feels like you're in a kitchen. That's not right either. No, it's not. It's like it's so you a, have to make weird choices. Yes. Um. I I as as stupid as it sounds, I think two things. I use the fake driving steering wheel. Mm-hmm. And then um, Allison Janney uh, said this to me, and I think she's absolutely right. Know it cold. But hold the sides in your hand. Yes. Yes. I have heard that. I have heard that. Actually the biggest the
1: the biggest thing that helped me in auditions ever was holding auditions. I, I produced a tiny no-budget movie mm. and I had to read with everybody because we didn't, you know, we just the cheapest way to do it was to bring everybody in and I'll read with them. Yeah. You know, um and uh and I saw wonderful actors who I had adored just crash and burn, and I saw people I never heard of do great, and I saw people that I thought were 100. I wrote this for you, and I it would come in, and it would not be right, you know. <laughs> and, mm. and it made me realize that an audition can go—you you, can't—you can't be nervous about it because either you're the right guy for it or you're not, you know. You're—you're—you're uh, uh, you're, you're either. It's your day, and this is the right part for you. Yep. Or you you can't force it, so just go in and Have take fun. your best swing at it. Try to make a good impression. Say hello to the receptionist on the way out. You know,
0: <laughs> Um that's right. uh, And 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 that's all you can do. I always look at it as this is my one time I get. To, I know that I get to play this part. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I Man's like that's a, it's that's my, an opportunity. It's my part. I'm playing it today. Don't know if I'll be playing it tomorrow, but today I'm playing it. <laughs> and you're watching it. <laughs> and you have to watch it. Tell Okay, I need to know about extended family because I want to know what, being an executive producer is a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. Tell, I want to know your experience and what you like, don't like, learned, whatever. Give me your insights as to being an exec Because people always say, what's the difference between a producer and... And an executive producer. And so does that mean you put up the, my favorite, does that mean you put up the money? (laughs) I'm like, ah, no, (laughs) no, no. Although sometimes it does. Uh,
1: Yeah, it's an incredibly elastic uh, uh, institution being a producer. Uh, You know, it can be anywhere from I just made a phone call, you know, and I got somebody involved in this who they needed involved in this to I put up millions of dollars. Right, right. uh, and uh a multicam sitcom uh, you know you've performed on them and obviously they're they're uh um uh they are their own kind of beast you know uh because they're very old school but you got to make them feel fresh you know yeah. yep. um and uh they're they and they can be the most fun you've ever had with a camera rolling right. uh, unless you do porn you know uh, <laughs> um, so so doing Two and a Half Men was this incredibly joyful experience, even though it got very dramatic after a while, you know, and it went crazy and off the rails, and then you know we had to remake the show on the fly. And actually, what was amazing was the, the producer Jim Patterson started letting me come into the writers' room uh, once we once we were trying to remake the show um, with that uh, with Ashton Kutcher, uh, and I got to see that process mm. um uh the writers room process in a completely different way and uh and that was just just amazing to watch uh because the level that 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 these men and women write at and pitch at and uh you know it was just uh, just you, you know you you the the amount of technical expertise that went into it was was kind of jaw dropping yeah, and I you know imagine. even a show like two and a half men which you know a lot of people was like oh that's comfort food it's you know it's uh, uh, you know it's it's charlie sheen whatever um you know it it, it the, the 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 i was so impressed with the artistry that that the that the writers brought to it um so when extended family came up um basically the way that that came together was the the it's inspired by the true situation that the the owner of the boston celtics he and his wife share an apartment with her ex-husband um they they call it the nest and they they let because once um she got divorced they didn't want the kids to have to go back and forth between two uh apartments they wanted the kids to just stay there and the adults would go back and forth uh back and forth uh to the different apartments and Michael Malley, who's a wonderful actor and writer, um, uh, uh, he, you know, they they pitched him this idea and he thought, well, this is a fun opportunity to make kind of a screwball comedy about people who have to make a divorce work. Right. And so when I first read it, I thought, oh, this is this is great patter. It's great. You know, it's 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 going to, you know, roll like a freight train. This is really fun um, part. And uh, and so I. You know, we were all like, you know, I don't know if, if uh, uh, everybody's going to empathize with, you know, the owner of the Boston Celtics as one of your main characters. Um, but, you know, hey, let's give it a shot. Uh, and um, and so my so Mike brought me on as a, a fellow executive producer. Um, and it's fascinating because when once you're in the room, everybody looks at me like you were on two and a half men for 12 years. You made that work. Yep. How do we make this work? Yeah. Well, <laughs> they, yes. Um, yes. Exactly. And, uh, and, and it actually, you know, doing that, that time in the trenches and reinventing a show on the fly because your main actor goes insane, uh, is valuable experience. Um, and, and you really do come out of it with a lot of, um, uh, uh, uh a lot of uh, thoughts on how this, this can work. And, uh, and but again, you know, what making this show from scratch is obviously a completely different experience.
0: Do you have any Chuck like there's a Chuck Laurie that's been repeated in writers rooms that I've heard. And I can't remember right now. Usually I'm really good at remembering that stuff. And it's amazing. Do you have mm-hmm. any that you Chuck, Chuck Laurie obviously don't know created Two and F men and Mike and Molly and and he created the CBS network. Yes. What he did. (laughs) And yeah, Big Bang Theory. But he also did Dharma and Greg. And, you know, he
1: I mean, he had this ridiculous now he's doing Bookie for for HBO uh, and, uh, uh, you know, he did the Kaminsky method. And, you know, he's uh, a writer uh, producer who is, uh, you know, kind of a legend in the business at this point. Um, incredibly prolific and and talented and but but feared also in the business um, you know he uh, amongst writers he's he's um uh you know people a lot of writers are kind of scared of him and have some level of uh, uh fear and i realized what you know and, and in terms of the chuck Laurieisms, um i can't think of one either at this moment yeah. that that hits me as particularly pithy um but he but i did realize why uh, people got scared of him to some degree, um, and and how it has actually served him because he gets frustrated when he has something in his head that works and he can't get it on the paper, and he's like, "There's a reason this, you know, the, the you know, um, or if something's written and he know and he sees it in it, in his head as working and it's not working, mm-hmm. and he gets. Uh, And I can see it. And so he and I never had friction about that kind of stuff because the second I got, okay, he's frustrated because this isn't working. The second that uh, uh, I got that that's where he was, I didn't, uh, uh, you know, for some other writers and some other performers, it was very hard because you could you could see his face darken and he was, you know, and he was he would get a little agitated and uh, and, uh, you know, that for some people is, is discomforting, but I totally got where he was. Yeah. And so he and I worked great together. I mean, I just totally got what he, the nugget of what he was uh, uh, upset about. And, uh, and it's one of the reasons we worked together for so long. Um, uh, and, but the great thing about that is that the, that if you have this reputation of, of scaring people, the network doesn't come at you. That's so right. much, Huge. And that's how it served him. Um, you know, he could just say, no, we're just, we're not going to do it that way. you know, uh, and it really worked for him there were there there were very you know that also keeps the number of rewrites down which makes it much easier for the cast and the, the crew and the directors and every, you know it 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 it, it uh, you know his writers are usually out by 6 p.m you know on on a on our new show, you know we're they're they're having to to you know sweat it until you know 11 p.m. most nights because we get a lot of notes from the network and we gotta we gotta fix what they don't like, you know.
0: Um, you you realize you're never re- rewarded for if, if it's a jump ball creatively for you, mm-hmm. and you give it to the network. There's never a thank you. There's never a no. reward. Never. They no. never go, they never go, you know, it's kind of a jump ball on cancellation. But man, you guys really played ball with us. So we're going to never, yeah. ever, ever, ever. So, so by the way, so when it's a jump ball, take the ball. Yes. That's your time, only opportunity. Every time, take it.
1: Yeah. Yep. And, you know, that's the, you're 100% right. And and that is what you learn after you do the business for 40 years yes. like we have, you know, yep. uh, um, uh, I mean, that we got offered uh, an extended family, this new show on on NBC, you know, which is actually still ordering, you know, 20, 22 episodes That's a season. season. I mean, you know, wow. y- that, that you go, oh, my God, the, that that is an incredibly fortunate uh, possibility. I am going to leap on this and I'm going to make this show the very best thing if, if, it's, if I have to sweat it every night, if we have to reshoot a million things, if we have to, you know, if I have to beg somebody to be cast on the show, like Rob Lowe, uh, uh, you know, if if I, you know, I will make that. I will, you know, because you don't get these opportunities. And when you do, you have to jump on them.
0: 22 episodes, man. That's, they don't do that anymore. They
1: don't. They don't. And we'll see. I mean, we did 13 this first uh, this first season because of the strike. So we'll see what happens next season. But uh, but yeah, that's, you know, broadcast still exists.
0: And uh, it's, uh, you know, they're they're the only people still doing that stuff. It's unbelievable. I'm I'm psyched to see it. When when did you premiere? It it was because everything got pushed with the strike. Did you premiere in the last month? we premiered in De- December 23rd
1: of last year so uh right. they you know they were putting promos on the football so much that even i was like okay <laughs> i get it yes. um thank you NBC, for promoting it uh, to the greatest extent possible um but uh but yeah we we uh premiered on December 23rd uh right after a, a playoff football game and it's been uh, you know it it, it it did great and everybody was pretty thrilled with that um so we we're, we're you know we're we're uh behind night court now you know yes. but, but the thing is time slots just don't matter the way that they used to no um right because we're on peacock the next day you know yep. so you can see the show the next day um but um but it's been a lovely experience working with NBC uh you know all these corporations have had to completely you know, reconfigure who they are, you know, because of the streamers. The streamers have forced everybody to just think in a different way. So, um, so it's been, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, dealing with the new NBC has been absolutely great.
0: I, uh, well, listen, I, I I love that you have a new play, uh, play pen to play in. And, and, you know, America needs its John Cryer on, on, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's not. It's I, I'm not. I all I know about it is like, I'm not watching television. If if it's not if I don't have John Cryer on my TV, it's not TV. <laughs> Something, uh, but it's not yes, TV it's a service I
1: perform for America. But I also just uh, put out a podcast. Uh, oh, uh, obviously you yes. are the, the king of podcasts. Um, but mine is a narrative one, um, but I, but it's also kind of fun because it does sort of play into because it takes place in 1986. Uh, so it is, you know, obviously back in the day for us. Yes. Uh, um, uh, but and, and it's and obviously you were very involved in in politics. Yes. Uh, so, the, the, you know, you will this will this will strike a, a chord with you um, a, a for a, a guy who made uh, the documentary uh, Active Measures, which is a, a terrific doc- documentary if you get a chance to watch it. He came to me and said, I have this crazy Story. It's a true story of a young guy who was a public defender in Miami in 1986. Uh, when and in Miami in 1986 was Scarface basically. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and he's so he's a public defender. He get his first job, his first felony um, uh, as a public defender that he has to, to to fight for is this guy who's been arrested with a, a machine gun and a silencer. Uh, okay, yep. sure. Uh, um, you know, it's Miami. Yep. Uh, and he so he asked the guy, dude, why why do you have a machine gun and a silencer? And the guy says, well, I've been running guns for the CIA. Uh, <laughs> and this guy says, uh, sure, sure, you're running guns for the CIA. Uh, and the guy says, you don't believe me? Uh, here's the phone number. Call this phone number. And he calls the phone number. He's like, whatever, I'm on hold. Uh, and it, it turns out it is the phone number of the National Security Council. And in fact, this guy has been running guns for the CIA. In fact, he's been helping to uh, to supply a whole secret war that the Reagan administration is fighting called uh, Iran-Contra. I don't know if you remember uh, that. I know, uh, remember that little, little incident. Oh, that yes. little situation. Yes. So the story is the true story of John Mattis, uh, and wow. I'm the narrator of this podcast. It's called Lawyers, Guns, and Money. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's about how this young guy just got pulled into this huge scandal that was ended up being one of the biggest scandals of, uh, uh, of presidential history in the United States. Oh
0: that sounds um, amazing
1: yeah and it's a, it's an absolutely crazy story uh, uh, you know it's it's it, but it's like it's uh, it's like Scarface meets the in-laws because it's also surreal and very funny yeah um, and the crazy thing was in in researching this story um, Jack Bryan, who uh, 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 who who came to me uh, with the story, um, has discovered all these, uh, first of all, a lot of um, the the whole Iran-Contra story, there a lot of it has come to light over the last few years that sort of changes what everybody perceived then. Um, because it turns out that, uh, the, that the Reagan administration had been funding the Iranians for years, right when they first started. And I don't know if you recall, but there was a whole conspiracy theory about that Reagan had actually paid Iran to keep the American hostages there until he was inaugurated president, yes, I've so heard that, that Jimmy Carter didn't uh, didn't benefit from them, uh, and that has been something that people kind of scoffed at for you know because it sounds ridiculous, um, but uh, there's uh, this uh, large and larger this this increasingly growing body of evidence that yes that may well have happened. So it ends up being this huge, um, uh, uh, huge story, this kind of epic story. Uh, it's called Lawyers, Guns, and Money. You can get it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you you listen to it. Um, but it was sort of truly, uh, but, you know, remembering the 80s. Oh. And remembering
0: how bananas the 80s were. Dude, I I, um, I dated Fawn Hall. Yeah, <laughs> and that's, that's how bananas the that's 80s That's how bananas were. it was.
1: I mean, I know all about Iran-Contra. <laughs> Oh my God! So you, wow. What? Okay, okay. I know you were trying to wrap up, but th- how do you end up dating Fawn Hall?
0: I watched her testify at the Iran Contra <laughs> riveting, hearings. Riveting, 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 and she was beautiful. Yes, and she was the assistant to, uh, to Oliver North. North. She's Oliver North's secretary. Time. For, yes, So she, yes. and and I think I'm pretty sure was also dating. I want to say Daniel Ortega. Is that possible?
1: But the the president of of uh, the, his, the, or, uh, or of El Nicar- Salvador or his son or some something okay I, son- to
0: somehow s- connected? S- oh yeah, to the president of the socialist president something, of El Salvador. Something with the I, you know it's all. I'm I by the way I'm. It's entirely possible that I'm conf- conflating Nicaragua and El Salvador. And El Salvador and- is possible. Um, but but again, those were all kind of considered of a piece at the time. The whole secret
1: war was playing out over all yes. of those countries. Yes, um, yes, uh, you know so,
0: and uh, dude, okay, so she's beautiful. She testifies. She testifies. and, um, how did I get in touch with her? I think Someone said that they ran into her and and I said, did you even get her phone number? did you? And they go, yeah. And so I, I got her phone number and I'll never forget I had two numbers for her. I could call her at her mother's house or the Pentagon. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I thought that was the hottest thing ever. <laughs> I could call, a girl you can call at her mother's house or the Pentagon. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> this is gonna this is. And then And then being the total little dick that I was in those days, I, an, like, our coming out party was the AFI Lifetime Achievement Award for Jack Lemmon? <laughs> okay. And, and, I wa- and I walked into that ballroom with Fawn Hall. <laughs> oh, like a week after the Iran Contra hearings, and I am telling you now, man, I, it was fucking bananas. Yes, that's bedlam. That is Bed, bedlam. Bedlam. Now,
1: yes, for, for for the listeners, Fawn Hall was accused of destroying a bunch of documents that also hid, because Oliver North was kind of the architect of this secret war, uh, or certainly the guy who facilitated most of it. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, so it was, it, you cannot imagine a bigger scandal.
0: No, you, you couldn't, like, you know, when you, when you get, when the biggest stars in the world are agog slash starstruck. It, it, that, it that's very hard to pull off yes <laughs> and you and Rob we, Lowe and, did it and, <laughs> and well listen it was my date but she did it. but uh <laughs> and and there's a there's this amazing, beautiful photo online of us like walking in with a. it's like she was something else That was yeah so yeah I'm I'm definitely gonna be checking out lawyers guns and money also the title of one of my favorite Warren Zevon songs
1: Yes, obviously it's an homage. Um, but you'll, when you listen to it, you go, "Oh, okay, that's why they called it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I hope you enjoy it. And uh, uh, and dude, thank you. This has been so much fun.
0: Yeah, and I, I was been looking forward to having you on. I knew that was coming up, and I was like, "This is going to be great." And it was—you did not disappoint. This was this was a fun one. Absolutely. What a great guy. What a guy. Uh, that, you know, it's, it's fun when you when you really get to spend time with somebody and they don't disappoint. Like uh, that's, th- John Cryer is who I want John Cryer to be. That's really the bottom line. All right, just one more thing before we end today's episode. Let's check the lowdown line. Hello, you've reached literally in our lowdown line where you can get the lowdown On all things about me, Rob Lowe, 323-570-4551. So have at it. Here's the beep. Hi, my name is Ashley Collins. I'm from Indianapolis, Indiana. And I was wondering if
1: you were to listen to one album out of any album there is, the rest of your life,
0: what album would you choose? Thank you. Wow. Ooh, boy, oh, boy. That's a great question. Thank you for that in Indianapolis. Thank you, thank you. Man. Well, here's, th- I think you want to, rest of your life. So here would be the criteria I'm I'm thinking about as I'm trying to make this call. I think th- it has to be by a songwriter. The lyrics have to be great. You want to be moved by the lyrics. You You want... I mean, I must it has to be something you're never getting tired of hearing. God, oh, this is so hard. Is it Hotel California by the Eagles? Is it Darkness on the Edge of Town by Bruce Springsteen? Is it Running on Empty by Jackson Brown? Is it Pink Floyd's The Wall? Boy, that's so hard. Is it, um, and greatest hits don't count, obviously. Because that that makes it a lot easier. Is it Steely Dan's Asia? I mean, I, I just that's the list. So then you got to figure out what what's going off that list. I I'm gonna go with Darkness on the Edge of Town, Bruce Springsteen. That's my call. He's my guy. Everybody knows he's my guy. It, there's there's emotion in it. There's inspiration in it. There's pump you up music. There's some ballads. Um, by the way, Fleetwood Mac rumors would be on there, but I'm going with Bruce. Thank you. Great question. I could I could debate this for ten years. Thank you. Um, thank you for for uh, for listening. Um, don't forget to give us a nice little review on 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 Apple um, and uh, download the rest of uh, the episodes we have, the rest of our season, and um, tell a friend. And in the meantime, I'll see you next week on Literally. You've been listening to Literally with Rob Lowe,
1: produced by me, Sean Doherty, with help from associate producer Sarah Begar and research by
0: Alyssa Growl. Engineering and mixing by Joanna Samuel. Our executive producers are Rob Lowe for Low Profile, Nick Liao, Adam Sachs, and Jeff Ross for Team Coco, and Colin Anderson for Stitcher. Booking by Deirdre Dodd. Music by Devin Bryant. Special thanks to Hidden City Studios. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. On literally. I love fast cars, but there aren't a ton of high performance EVs. They're certainly out here there. But when I when I get a chance to get behind the wheel of one, it's I love it. And I was blown away by the Kia EV six GT. When you get behind the wheel of the Kia, it, it is literally like being in a state of the art rocket ship, but also comfortable. The thing goes from zero to 60 in 3.4 seconds. It is the premium driving experience. And of course, it's an EV. So the climate thanks you. Sirius XM provides access to over 165 channels in the vehicle. Music, sports, news, comedy, yacht rock. Let's go. Little, Little steely Dan going in your Kia. Come on now. So check it out today. It is the all-electric Kia EV6 GT. I had a blast checking it out. Believe me, you should do it yourself via kia.com slash EV6. To learn more, that is kia.com slash EV6. Kia, movement that inspires.